Through the Classroom Window is an opportunity for our families to get an insider's perspective of the opportunities, learning experiences and wellbeing initiatives their child has at CLC Stanhope. Join us as we explore a new focus each episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Through the Classroom Window. This podcast is designed to throw open the doors and invite our parents and our community into our school here at CLC Stanhope. I'm here with Christina Lutzi, the Director of Learning. My name is Daniel Langford. Welcome, Christina. Thanks, Daniel. I'm really excited to kick off this week's focus, which is going to be on assessment. Yes, assessment. So we're going to look at this through three lenses, uh, the parent lens, the student lens and the teacher lens. And we're inviting our community to see this through a different perspective and uh, certainly the way that we look at it as teachers and staff here at CLC. So Christina, can you tell us why are we assessing in the first place? Assessment's a really good tool for teachers to reflect uh, upon how successful they've been in a learning sequence. So uh, a student's understanding the content, have they developed skills over time, Um, we use it in different forms so sometimes we might do a test to start the topic so we know what the students know so we don't reteach that Uh, and then we can measure their growth over time. So it's really a measure for us of if we've been successful in our pedagogy and it's a really good assessment of students and if they've learnt during that time. Yeah and we're trying to help staff to use this assessment to inform the next step. So assessment for us is around gaining information and data to change our teaching practice in the classroom. Um, And that's probably very different to the parent perspective. Absolutely. So for parents, the real thing that they're assessing is their child's success, their measurement, their their grade, uh, and they're concerned about how their child sits compared to others. So it's that one point in time for them. Are they A, are they B? What does that mean? They're just really concerned about what that grade is. And that would change again when you look at it through the student lens where we're trying to encourage this idea uh, of student growth and student ownership and agency. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about how we want students to look at assessment? Absolutely. So I mentioned a bit earlier about pre and post testing. So that's one example of how students can think about where did I start in this learning sequence and where did I end and how over time have I improved? Um, Another great thing is that students can look at different assessments in different subjects. So if I'm really successful in my English, but I'm not so successful in my maths, what are the habits that I'm using or the skills that I'm using in English assessments that I'm not translating and transferring to maths? And then how do I change you know, myself as a learner? So assessment and the tools that students use around assessment are really important because the way that they approach their learning in different subjects often is the determiner of their success and their growth. But don't take it from me, let's hear from one of our Year 12 students who discusses the importance of feedback in between her assessments. Um, I think it's important to have feedback between assessments because if you get your mark and you're just satisfied with it, even if it's not full marks and you get like an 80 or something and you're like, oh yeah, I got an 80, I'm going to be fine. And then the next assessment you get a 70 and you're like, oh, what did I do wrong? Like you can't just expect that you're going to keep doing well, you need to always be improving on yourself. Let's look at some of the ways we assess. So there's two types of assessment, uh, formative and summative, that we're kind of looking at. Um, And you'd see that ingrained all through every subject in our school. Uh, For the parents at home, what's formative assessment, what's summative assessment, and what's the difference and benefits of each? Formative assessment is a point in time assessment. So we're looking at how students are understanding in that moment and over time how they can gain feedback to improve. So right from kindergarten right through to year 12, formative assessment is used every day by our teachers through conversation, through marking of work samples, through student dialogue. 
Summative assessment is the assessment that probably most of our families and parents at home are most familiar with, where at the end of a unit, you have an assessment, you all sit down, you do the same thing or you submit the same thing, you get a, you get a mark and then that's the end of the learning. So we're talking tests, we're talking assessment tasks that you might take home projects. and then projects and resubmit. Yep. And they are really valid points of assessment. They let us know where a student got to at the end of a learning sequence and in the HSC, most tasks are that's summative. Summative. Yep. So they're a really important part of our our assessment here at Stanhope. However, the assessment that we really value is the formative assessment. So that's the ongoing assessment. So from kindy right through to year twelve, we're having point in time check ins with students. We are asking them questions about their learning. We're asking them to look at the success criteria. Where are they sitting? How do they know? Um, on our learning walks, which you may have seen on our Instagram, um, there's lots of those conversations happening, which I've tried to capture to show families that students are really able to articulate what they're learning about and how they're successful. I think personally some of the strengths of this are that it makes classwork relevant, it makes the everyday really important and that is increasing the student engagement, that's in giving kids an opportunity to resubmit, to show feedback, um, apply feedback. There's a huge range of benefits here when we talk about formative assessment. And I think the really big significant shift for us in, the, in having a focus on formative is that a lot of our students were getting feedback, Absolutely from their teachers. But over time, students are now, through this formative assessment process, really listening to that feedback, taking it on board and applying it. And they're able to start to identify in their own work what are the strengths and weaknesses and in in the other's work what the strengths and weaknesses are. So essentially, we have many teachers in our learning spaces who are able to really understand what do they need to learn, how do they demonstrate it and how do they measure success. And one of our year four students articulated this really well. If the teacher says that you need to give more examples for a question, then you can reflect on that um, on that response that the teacher gave you and m- next time do more examples. All right, moving on to our key takeaways that we get from assessment uh, as teaching staff here. Uh, the two things I think we focus on the most are the feedback we give and growth. Now, student growth is a, a great focus for us here at CLC Stanhope. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about how we're measuring growth uh, in the college and why it's important in the first place? Absolutely. So uh, in the primary school and the high school, we have pre and post tests. So students know what they know at the beginning of a unit and they know what they know by the end of that unit. And through that double testing process, they're able to see how much growth they had over time. So in writing, they're getting feedback on, you know, where they sit on a criteria and at the end of a unit, um, I think you might remember last week, Ella talking about Mm -hmm. that growth. So one aspect is pre and post testing and I'm going to throw to some year seven girls who've had a really good example of pre and post test and how it's impacted their learning. Can you tell me what the benefit of a pre and post test is? Um, Well, the benefit of a pre-test is the teachers get to see like what we already know before like we actually start the unit. And so it's showing that how much we know before we start. Yeah. The post test is um, good to know so the teachers can see how much we've improved since we did the pre-test. We've also been doing some really great stuff with year 11 and 12, looking at their growth data. And Dan, you've been a big lead on that. So do you want to talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, I think we often get caught up in the number. Right, and certainly as parents, you get caught up in what percentage you get in that test. Um, did you get an A, a B, or C? Like, where are you sitting? Um, and if we can shift the conversation to how much does student grow 
Um, that allows us to impact the whole spectrum of students. So we're not just targeting that top end, did you get an A or a B? Um, but this is uh, opening up the conversation to include the whole range of students and, and put the emphasis and the lens and the spotlight on how much a student moves in the course of study. And we know it has a significant impact. We look at our two high achievers from last year, Crystal Dakuna, 10 marks on average per subject. That's a whole band that she improved and she got her 97 ATAR uh, as a result of that growth. And Quincy, another student, seven out of seven subjects, he had an improvement in what he was projected to get. This is a student looking at a 78R that comes in with a 98R. You know, it, it's it's incredible. It's massive, yeah. And I think Dan and I can talk about it, but I'd love some of our U12 students to talk about how the growth data really helps them in their learning. Mm-hmm. So how does growth data help you? What are some things it does? Um, it shows, like, where you're sitting and if, you're, and if you need to be working harder to grow or if what you're working on is helping you grow at the moment. So it tells you where you're at. So can you tell me why do you find growth data useful? Um, I think it shows where you've already improved and where or the areas that you still need to improve. So like for example if you get a result back and it says you did really well in one area but in another area you've stagnated, you stayed the same, um, it shows that you it shows you where you need to improve and where to essentially focus your efforts versus what you're already good at. I think the power in these conversations, uh, we've talked in the past about uh, coaching and the role it plays and how significant that is in personalising learning for our kids. But I think the power is uh, being realised as Year 12 teachers have these conversations and they're harnessing that growth data and they can have these conversations that are subject specific around how a student is moving um, and then maybe track that and link it to the learning habits that that student is displaying because Absolutely. that's a reflection. The outcome of a number is a reflection of what was happening in the lead up, the, the study, the working class, the preparation in um, your home time. All those things are elements that we can track and change to impact that growth number. I know I had my student-led conferences with Year 12 this week and a number of my students, we were talking about where are you successful and, you know, I'm great, I'm really good at physics, okay? So what are you doing in physics to be successful? Oh, well, I invest my time, I seek teacher feedback, um, I've got a study group and then we move to, okay, where's your areas of weakness? And, you know, I'm not so great at English, okay? Are you... Are you having those same experiences with your English study that you are with your physics? And the student's going, mm-hmm. nope. <laughs> so what are the goals? What are the takeaways? Oh, I need to set up a study group. I need to have set time to, to work on English, you know. And as a coach, it was so powerful because that parent didn't hear six isolated conversations. They heard their child talking about and self-identifying the, the places that they need to improve. And it was it was all student-led. I didn't you know, encourage that student, that student discovered it for themselves. And that was a repeat conversation with lots of different students and lots of coaches. So it was really, really impactful. Yeah, and there's real value in naming those learning behaviours that are really effective and working for the individual and also naming those behaviours that are the distractors that kind of hold us back. What are the roadblocks? Uh, so there's, there's those conversations are so important, aren't they? Absolutely. And parents then are better able to understand how to support their child. So, you know, these parents are like, okay, well, hang on a second. <laughs> when you're at home, I'm going to ask you how much English study you did today or who's your study buddy. And then it's that, that collective team effort to get student success happening. Yeah, so I'm really sure there's a lot of parents out there that have their student uh, in their room at their desk studying, but they're not really sure what's happening there. So opening up those conversations has been a hugely successful way for us to improve learning behaviours, therefore improve results and show student growth. Absolutely.
Moving on, uh, we've talked about how teachers are assessing, but I think there's huge value in exploring how the school is talking about self and peer assessment. Christina, can you tell us what's happening in the school with self and peer assessment and why is it valuable? Absolutely. So you may have heard your child talk about surface, deep and transfer. And they are three levels of learning that we have at our college. So at the surface, what are the key isolated topics or content points that I need to know? At deep, how do these connect so how do the individual concepts connect and me deepen my understanding? And at transfer, it is how can I see or apply this knowledge in a new context? So right from kindergarten, students are self-assessing their work against criteria. And I've got some great um, helpers in U1 who are going to explain to you how they do that with their writing. So if you want to be a transfer learner, you would put full stops, you would put adjectives, question marks, and, and, and you would do paragraphs, commas, sizzling starts, and stuff like that. And who has used this, who has used the wall to fix their work before? I did because I needed to do, include some punctuation and commas. And what's your name? Mia. Mia. Thank you, Mia. And thank you. Isabella. Isabella. If you add one pebble rock boulder, sizzling star and exciting ending, that might give your reader more information of what you're telling them. Instead of using the surface, you can use the transfer to help your reader understand more. So moving on from year one, um, we've got that example of using success criteria. In year four, they're doing some really fantastic work with peer assessment. So students will look at their own work and be able to identify the areas that they need to improve. But when they're able to pick up a peer's work and actually articulate, and it's not um, about what's good and bad, I really liked your work and, and the year fours who um, are going to join us are going to talk about that. It's about giving powerful feedback, actionable items that the students can take to improve their work. So I'll let you four do the talking for me. Peer feedback is when you have maybe a partner to help you. If you have a partner and you're just copying from their work, that's not going to help you at all. You're not going to learn anything. But if you ask them for help, they should like give you some information or feedback, like, oh, maybe you could work on this or... Um, or this is your strength, but this is your weakness. Maybe you can work on this. What would be an example of not effective peer feedback? If your buddy says, oh, well done, or, oh, that's bad, um, that's not really going to help you. What about reflection? Um, self-reflection is really good because with self-reflection, if you get like some, like if someone, like if the teacher gives you something, you can reflect on it and do better at it. And this is happening across the college. So I've got some U7 girls who are going to articulate the same thing. How does giving someone else feedback help you? Because oh, if you're giving someone else feedback, you can think about what they did right or what they need to work on and you can see if you need that yeah, same can, like, feedback in your own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you can incorporate that into your own work and fix anything up. And finally, let's look at year 12 with their self-assessment. Uh, we talked to Georgia here and she's going to talk us through how she's using that in ancient history. Uh, so George, I was giving her um, my thoughts on different theories she had to, for her uh, for her essay. 
um, just about uh, ancient Rome and uh, should like which point would better suit what I was trying to argue. So how did you know that you needed to be getting feedback around which perspective was best? Well, I have it down, but for me to be able to figure it out, it's just better if I can hear what someone else thinks to like either reassure me or challenge me to like maybe challenge myself with what I'm writing. So just like, like how you talk about in English how we play basketball, I need that back and forth to be able to figure it out. Great. And how do you use, how does a rubric or a success criteria play into this feedback? Well, like as I'm reading it, or as I get Sam to read it, or as I ask Sam what questions, I say, I think about it, and then it works. Or like, <laughs> I think about it, and I go, oh, yep, this is the right thing I need to talk about. And then I go back to the question and the rubric, and I go, so has what I wanted to talk about, and then what Sam's added to it fit what, he, what the rubric says I need to talk about. So as a senior student, how important do you think feedback is? If your, te if your teachers and your peers were doing ranking experiences in order, how high would feedback be for you as important? Uh, it's pretty it's pre important. It's pretty, pretty, pretty high, important. Yeah. yeah. So then we can know what we're doing wrong. Yeah. Now, Dan, we obviously as teachers can observe how impactful and um, effective this is as a strategy. But Absolutely. This is not just something that Stanhope Gardens has taken and branded as their own. This is ingrained in genuine research and there's um, incredible statistics to talk about the power of feedback on improving student learning and the power of peer and self-assessment. If a student can articulate where they think they are, they have the skills to know how they can improve and then they're never feeling like they're doing a task without any clarity about what the purpose or the intent is and how they can be successful. Yeah, we call them assessment-capable learners uh, and that's our goal to try and move all of our students uh, to be assessment-capable, which kind of asks them to name where they are, where they want to go and how to get there. And a lot of these feedback methods that we're talking about, focusing on growth or uh, even it doesn't matter if it's formative or summative, a lot of these things are pushing our students to develop the skill sets to be able to be those self, uh, assessment capable learners. And I kind of liken it to being in the workplace and your boss is never clear on what he wants. And so you're doing tasks and you think, oh, what, what's the reaction going to be to this? We don't want kids sitting here thinking, I don't know what's going to happen when I hand in this assessment. We want them to say, no, I definitely know I'm a B and these are the reasons why. And that is the power uh, of those skills. And then they're so transferable to life. You know, being able to articulate to your boss why you think you've been successful and what that looks like is um, something that the future of the world's going to need. Absolutely. As you can hear, we really value assessment and have a desire to always improve our practices to maximise student learning. And this extends beyond our college into the tertiary world, where we're investing in the future educators at our partnering universities of Macquarie and ACU. So at CSC Stanhope, we are super lucky to have some amazing prac students who are working with us this term. I've got three of them with me today, so I'm going to throw to them, let them introduce themselves and let us know what area they're working in. Hello, my name's Steph Issa. I am working in the history department, specifically ancient history and social sciences. Hi, my name's Alessio Cerrone. Um, I am working with the science faculty um, and I'm majoring in chemistry and minoring in earth and environmental science. Hello, I'm Alan Kosho and I'm a HISI and RE specialist teacher. Now, the great thing about a Apraki is they've got a fresh set of goggles that looks at our place and gives us really great feedback about how we're going and, and brings some new um, exciting 
teaching practices to us. So I'm going to ask the guys to let me know their highlight of what they've seen or what they've done so far in our school. A highlight for me would be uh, my year 11 ancient history class. We learnt about the Silk Road and I was able to get really creative with them and we did a beautiful gamification and worked our way through the Silk Road as if we were merchants. So I think that would be something that I would like to replicate in the younger years too. So you'd, li- you'd say our students are pretty open to new experiences and being challenged in the way they learn? Yeah, of course they are. They're pretty open to new things and they like to try new things, get amongst a lot of group work, which I really love. And um, they're just really good kids. How about you, Alessio? Highlight so Um, far? I think the highlight for me so far would definitely be the quality of education right through from kindergarten to year 12. Um, Having a look at some of the primary school classes, um, it's pretty amazing to see what they're getting up to at such a young age. Like... From my personal experiences, I can't really remember doing things in depth or um, as complex as what they've been doing uh, here. For example, I know um, the kids in Yuan, they've been doing long division um, and they've been dividing things even without using aids such as um, counters and stuff like that. And also looking at a year six class, they were using terms such as subjective, which is probably a word I thought (laughs) I'd never hear of from such a young age. So... Yeah, just the depth of quality and how even that makes such a smooth transition from kindergarten to year six and to year seven to 12. So so you've found the ability to walk around the spaces and do those learning walks really helpful to you? Yeah, definitely. It's just amazing to see the quality of education right from the start. All well, the hopefully way to the we end. can uh, brand you with our quality education, Alessio. Um, how about you, Alan? Your highlight? Uh, As a high school teacher, I don't really get much of a chance to work with primary school children. Um, So going on some of those learning walks and seeing what the year six, year five and six classes were actually doing um, in class was fantastic. So some of them are actually doing peel paragraphs at such a young age, uh, which is quite different to what you would expect from their kind of age group. So it was really interesting to see how they were being challenged and extended beyond what was typical, I guess. So I'm going to throw to all of you. What are some of the skills you've seen uh, in our students from when you've walked and when you've taught them? Um, Most of them seem to have really good kind of communication skills, um, being able to kind of generate discussions between not only themselves but with their teachers and the other peers that are kind of walking into the classroom at times with them. I've definitely got to say the sense of community and the positive relationships each student has with each other, it really made me feel really welcome and really comfortable starting here. Normally when I start practice, I'm generally quite nervous, especially even going into a classroom and starting to teach. But here I definitely felt a lot more comfortable and a lot more um, a lot more focused on what I have to teach because the students here provided me with such a good basis to, te- to start teaching on. I think it's the versatility of your students. I've found that um, most of them are really fantastic in the group work setting, but when you put them by themselves or in pairs, they're able to create work uh, just to such a high standard. So I really love that we're able to throw in some group work and every so often pull them away from that and say, now it's time for you to do something really independent. Great. Well, we're really impressed with everything you've been doing so far and we're going to bring you back in later in the term to see if there's any new highlights, new skills and um, if you think you've been successful, we're really big on checking and assessing ourselves so hopefully you can give a bit of reflection at the end. Thanks guys for coming on. Perfect. Thank Thank you. you for having us. 
Thank you for joining us. This week's episode was inspired by our parent feedback on areas of interest. Please make sure you connect with us on our socials, CLC Stanhope on Instagram and Facebook, and put forward your suggestions for the next episode.